I want to speak to you. I, you guys know if you're, if you're home folk, you know I'm more of a teacher than anything. So I can't, if I open the Bible, I'm going to start teaching it. So I have to do that. But I do want to talk to us tonight about the peace that Jesus is known for and the peace that is always preached at Christmas time. If, if you're like me, you were born in America and you kind of have, you can't help but have the American understanding of peace. And that always has a strong hippie flavor to it. You know, peace is, is, hey man, no war, peace, peace is tranquility, peace is don't rock the boat, peace is no war on the planet, everybody getting along. And that's wonderful, but that's not the peace the Bible promises. And so I read here in Luke chapter 2, the very famous nativity story. We'll begin in verse 8. And the Bible says, And they were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you glad, uh, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, knowing what I know now and putting my American interpretation on that, I read that and it says peace on earth. And I say, yeah, right. This is the time of Roman occupation. This is the time when Rome is the, the world dominating empire. And everywhere they go, they massacre nations and subdue them and subject them. There's no peace in the earth. Two years after this night, King Herod, the king of the Jews, the Jewish king, not the king of the Jews, he issues an edict that declares every boy under the age of two is to be massacred. Where's the peace on earth? Joseph and Mary have to flee down to Egypt to escape. 33 years after this night, Jesus Christ is crucified by Romans in what is just a public execution. And the Romans were very well known for lining the major highways with executed or crucified prisoners. You would go grocery shopping and you would see your neighbor crucified on the side of the road, still breathing, asking for food or water while ravens plucked out their eyes. Where's the peace on earth, angel? <laughs> you fast forward today, 2016, going into 2017, and I ask, where's the peace on earth? Because now we're fulfilling Matthew 24, Jesus' last real sermon on the earth where he said, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. And he said, nation will rise up against nation and brother against uh, uh, father and father against mother and, and houses will be divided and people will be offended and betray and, and, uh, and, and deny one another. Jesus said that even in his day, he said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But this angel says, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So we have to answer that. What peace is he talking about? Because you got to know God wants us to have peace. But if every Christmas the whole church goes tilt and starts looking for world peace, you're going to be out of the will of God. Because the Bible promises there will never be world peace. There will never be peace among nations. There will never be peace among the races until Jesus Christ comes into his earthly kingdom. Jesus promised in Matthew 24, he said, nation would rise up against nation. 
We know that in the original language to mean ethnic group rising up against ethnic group. We, we are living in the renaissance of racism. Never have we seen racism as bad throughout the world as it is today. Ethnic group rising up against ethnic group. That will never be solved. Maybe in pockets it can be. Maybe in this community it can be. Maybe in that church it can be. But they, these are promises Jesus Christ said at the end of his earthly life that he said this is going to happen and you can't do anything about it. So if we don't know what biblical peace looks like, then we're going to come to Christmas. We're going to look forward to Christmas every year because it's the one time of the year where everybody stops for about 24 hours and we start looking for, for scraps of peace, not realizing that what the angel was referring to we can have every day. And if everybody on planet Earth was, would look for what the angel was speaking of, we might actually get a lot closer to the kingdom's kind of peace than a bunch of politicians in the UN promising us peace. If you think peace is going to come through some hippies or through the right politician, you're deceived. Amen. So I want to work through some scriptures here. Matthew 10, 34. And if you don't have your Bible, that's all right. Just, just listen to me real intently. Because I, I, I don't want you to leave here having some feel-good, tickle-my-ear Christmas message. I want you to leave here with a real gift. I want you to leave here with a real gift, knowing what the true peace of God is, so you can have it tonight, and then have it tomorrow, and then have it January 1st, and then have it March 1st, and then you know you got to have it April 15th, <laughs> and then August 21st. You want it the whole time. Matthew 10, 34, Jesus Christ said, think not that I have come to send peace on earth. Is Jesus contradicting his angels? Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man against his father and the daughter against her mother. And I'll set the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, that happens all the time anyway. <laughs> and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. These are the words of Jesus Christ. But the angel said on his birthday, peace on earth. Look at uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Luke 12, 51, Jesus Christ speaking said, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you no, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And Jesus says, this will be my work. Now, we have to reconcile that because this is the time of year everybody slows down and says, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And then Jesus, in the, 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 the zenith of his ministry, says, I have not come to bring peace on this earth. I will bring division in a sword. Now, if you serve Jesus Christ, you've lived these, these verses out. Jesus Christ brings division, not intentionally, but by being light and truth. Because in your household, there will be those that love darkness and they will hate you because you love light. And you cannot have peace with darkness. It's impossible. And if we try to cater to darkness to have peace, we will quench the spirit of God and deny Jesus Christ. The only way for there to be peace between darkness and light is for light to wipe out darkness and for darkness to repent and come to light. So if we're looking for peace on earth through politics, peace on earth through sharing a Coca-Cola, peace on earth through just a good Christmas Eve service, it's not going to happen. Jesus Christ said, I am the great divider. Amen. Amen. 
Look at uh, Isaiah 57. This is the time of year even the heathen, the lost, the damned, the pagan look forward to because they're trying to find some peace. But I want to show you what the Lord says in Isaiah 57 about pagans and their peace. Isaiah 57, verse 19. The Lord speaking through his prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 57, 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea. So we even know verse 19 is for the righteous because verse 20 juxtaposes the wicked. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Wicked people have no rest. They're moody, they're irritable, they're grouchy, they don't like anybody. If you don't like anybody, you're the problem. And the Bible calls you like the, the sea when it cannot rest. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Pagan people, wicked people, are always stirring and turning out their own wickedness, their own filth, and their own foul, and their own dirt. And, and they see it, and it makes them grouchy. Christians shouldn't be grouchy. Verse 21, there is no peace, says my God, to the wicked. The wicked will never have any peace. The closest the wicked will ever have peace is while they're alive on the earth. And then when they die, they go to hell and there's never rest for them. So we want to be clear about this message of peace. I know this isn't like your traditional Southern Baptist 1983 Christmas Eve service. <laughs> We've never had typical Christmas Eve services around here. But these are the days we live in. We have to speak what the Lord is speaking. We want peace. But let's know, let's know what it's not so we don't go looking for that. Let's know what it is so we'll aim for that. What is the true, genuine peace that God promises us at Christmas time and the other 364 days out of the year? Ephesians 2. Maybe in the early 80s, we could have talked about just a nice worldly peace because things were different back then. The end of all things is at hand. The world today is more turbulent, more war-torn than at any other time in modern history, except for maybe World War II. But World War II only lasted five years, and then we had unprecedented worldwide peace. This only shows promises of getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We are living in the last days. Anybody that serves Jesus Christ can feel it. And all we can do is grow stronger to bear up the burden of it. So what about this peace that these angels were running their mouth about for if I were to be rude? Because I look at that, and if I put my American translation of peace on it, there was no peace on earth the night Jesus Christ was born. Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he is our peace. How, what do you mean peace on earth? Yeah, peace was born in a stable. And the peace wasn't worldwide. It was a literal peace in the form of the Prince of Peace. He was saying, uh, guys, I want you to know peace was just conceived and born over there in a stable. This will be a sign unto you. You'll find a babe. That's him wrapped in a swaddling cloth in a manger. That's where you'll find peace. There is peace on earth, but it's in the form of a babe because there's no other peace to be had. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make of himself twain one new man, so making peace, 
and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace. That's the verse we just quoted in Isaiah. He came and preached peace to they, to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. That's the very first verse we just read, or the same verse in Isaiah 57, 19. Peace to them that are far off and them that are near. How could the angel testify peace on earth? Jesus Christ is peace, and he was now on the earth. And if you're ever going to have peace, especially with the world boiling over in turmoil and turbulence, it's only going to be found in Jesus Christ. It will not be found in a politician, no matter how famous or unfamous. It won't be found in a UN council or a board of NATO directors. Politicians don't have the answer for peace. Politicians don't govern anymore. They politic. Politicians push agenda. They don't take care of people. There'll be no peace from this day forward except for in Christ Jesus. And that's been the truth since the angels declared, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What's the goodwill? The olive branch was just born. And God was extending his olive branch to mankind and saying, if you will, you can be reconciled back to God. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Let's run through a few more verses here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of God, that would be Jesus Christ. Here's a, here's a commandment to every one of us. Let the peace of God, let's insert Jesus there. And let Jesus Christ rule in your hearts. Calling ourselves Christians is, is almost so cliche now, it's not even worth doing. Though we'll still call ourselves Christian. Everybody calls themselves a Christian. This nation's supposed to be 80-something percent Christian. Really? How about if we took a poll? How many of you, not tonight, ask America, how many of you actually can say Jesus Christ rules in your heart? It might drop to 10 or 15% in this nation. And let Jesus Christ rule in your hearts. That word means to umpire, to administrate, to arbitrate, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. You can tell when Jesus Christ and the, rule and the peace of God rules in your heart when you're thankful. But the same peace that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago, the only way he can bring peace is if he rules in our heart and allows us and to com is able to command us what thoughts to cast down, what thoughts to get over, what thoughts to think, who to forgive, when to forgive, what to do. When Jesus Christ rules in your heart, that's when you'll have peace on earth. Amen. See, uh, American secular hippie faith, that faith has to have everything just so to be at peace. It's an existential peace. It's a surficial peace. It's an external peace. It's a peace that says if I have money in the bank and all my children are around me, and if I'm in perfect health and I get exactly what I want for Christmas, I'll be at peace. But that's not peace. That's a surficial peace. What the Bible teaches is that we have peace on the inside so that even if our family abandons us with Jesus Christ said they could and they might, and even if we have nothing to eat, and even if we have nothing for Christmas, and even if we've been left all alone, we can still have peace. See, the peace that God wants to place in our hearts, the peace that the angel said was on the earth, was part of the kingdom that's within. And it's not based on anything or everything being perfect or even just so. It's about us being perfect with God and being right with him in our hearts. And when that's the case, nothing rocks your boat. You get a hold of your emotions. You can control your feelings. You don't get offended anymore. 
You don't get your feelings hurt. You don't get lonely like you used to. You're not squirrely. You're not unstable. The peace of God ruling in your hearts stabilizes you in every capacity imaginable. Because the peace of God is a ruler. The peace of God is a governor. And when the peace of God is working in your life, you're going to be well governed. Look at Isaiah 9. Last verse. We're on time for a record service tonight. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The famous prophecy of Jesus Christ in the Nativity. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So we have Jesus Christ being equated as a government official, a ruler who knows how to govern and manage and control a society. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Notice this governor, if he's ruling and, and, ruling and reigning in a nation, he'd be a, he'd be a wonderful governor. He'd, ha, he'd be a counselor. He would be a politician, a governor you could go to and get counsel on how to handle things in life. He'd be the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Again, the term prince refers to his authority to rule. But think about, and I tie that back to, it's supposed to rule in us. Now, the problem with the hippie peace and the problem with postmodern America peace is that we want all the politicians to control it for us. We don't want God to have anything to do with it. But here the Bible tells us in another witness that the only way to have peace is to let Jesus Christ be the dictator of that peace, to let him be in control, to let him tell you what to do, to let him tell you how to make decisions and how to love and who to love, who to turn away from, who to walk away from, who to embrace. All these terms talk about there being one true governor, one true ruler, one, we would say king. And that's the only way you have peace is by the governments of God working in your life. The problem with our generation is that we're lawless. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And as long as you're not willing to have anybody tell you what to do, you won't have any kind of peace. But the catch-22 is everybody listens to somebody tell them what to do. Whether it be the flesh, whether it be Facebook, whether it be the devil, whether it be feelings and emotions, we're all being told what to do. You have to pick who it's going to be. Verse 7, of the increase of his government, who? The Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Notice that if you'll let Jesus Christ rule and reign in your heart, you'll only get bigger peace. That peace he promises, the Bible says, of that increase, of that peace, there's no end. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now things don't move you like you, they used to. And the things that did, you're conquering them next. And it's all because you allow Jesus Christ to govern your heart, your mind, your emotions, your life. This is what it means to have peace. This is what the angel was implying and inferring to when he said, peace on earth. The prince of peace was just born. His governments just started. And if you think about it, since the day he was born, his kingdom has been expanding. In the millennial reign of Christ, it will, it will take over the fullness of the world. And then the Bible tells us there'll be ages to come that he will reign in. But today it starts inside us. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within. So here's the good news. If you're born again, 
You can have unprecedented peace and it isn't dependent upon you having your favorite politician win the presidency. And you don't have to fall apart if your, pre if your candidate didn't get the presidency. They can get a participation trophy. You, you don't have to fall apart. You don't have to fall apart when you get laid off. You don't have to fall apart if you don't get what you want for Christmas. You don't have to fall apart if, if the world falls apart. If Jesus Christ truly rules and reigns in your heart, the increase of his peace knows no end. It just keeps expanding and expanding. We would call that Christian maturing or Christian maturation. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. Notice he wants to order and establish your life. If you'll let God, through his peace, reign in your heart, he will order and establish your life. And the more order and establishing your life has, the more at peace things are. See, we, we've only scratched the surface of what it really means to be a Christian. What's, we, we like to do good works outwardly. That's great. But there's a good work Jesus Christ wants to do inwardly by bringing order and establishment within us. And that brings peace too. When your life is organized, things are at peace. When you live like a hoarder, there is no peace. When you can't find stuff, there's no peace. With judgment, with justice, from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a truth the Bible says the Lord is very zealous of. He is zealous to establish a kingdom of peace within us. Now, I'm going to assume, now maybe not everybody is, but I'm going to assume for just a second, everybody here is born again. That means everybody in here has received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. But it may be that tonight your salvation and your Christian walk is just baby in a manger level. There's peace in you, peace in you, goodwill toward you. But it hasn't yet begun to walk. It hasn't begun to yet to talk. It hasn't be yet begun to be about its father's business. It hasn't yet entered into the fullness of its ministry. See, that's how the Lord Jesus Christ in earthly form had to grow. And yet there was peace on earth in that moment. Tonight, you need to know that within you, there is peace through Jesus Christ, but it may be baby in a manger size. Jesus didn't really do anything for 30 years. And then all of a sudden, bam, he is the walking, talking, manifesting will of God. And then at his resurrection, things really kicked into overdrive and they've been increasing ever since. Wherever you're at in your Christian walk, you need to know there's, there's no end in sight if you want it to have more peace, more establishing, more organization, more governments working in you. That's the will of God. Amen. Now, that's, that's, that, if you want to talk about the doctrine of biblical peace, that's it in a nutshell. It isn't just a baby in a manger and, and share a Coca-Cola tonight and smile and hope nobody bombs us tomorrow. <laughs> that's most of the sermons tonight are going to be like that. You know, because we went through all that in the 80s and 90s. But that's the biblical doctrine of the peace of God in a nutshell, that it's in you. And it's as we allow Jesus Christ to rule and control us and give us marching orders and give us assignments and give us commandments, then that organization expands and the peace expands behind it. And our life is just in such a blessed place that now people want to know how we have such a hope. How, are we, uh, how do we make such good decisions? How are we at such peace? And now we have opportunity to advertise.
We call it evangelism. Let me introduce you to the Prince of Peace. Knowing full well, as soon as they get born again, it's baby in a manger peace. And they've got to begin to be discipled to grow that kingdom inside of them. See, that's what the angels meant when he said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then Isaiah 9 kicks in and says, and of the increase of that peace, there shall be no end. wherever, Wherever we're at tonight, you're not done. God's not done. It's still going to increase. Uh, if, if you're having a, a great time in Christ, the good news is it can get better. If you're having a horrible time in God and your life stinks and you don't even want to be here tonight, it can get better if you want it to. There's your hopeful, optimistic Southern Christmas Eve portion of the message. It can get better if you want it to, but it is only found in Jesus Christ. He is our peace. And hopefully you say that in your heart. He is my peace. Toys aren't my peace. Money in the bank's not my peace. Total health is not my peace. A perfect marriage is not my peace. He is my peace. And I can have all those other things if he is my peace first. But if we start seeking all those other things without seeking the Prince of Peace, it will never work out. But be of good cheer. This is the time of year we celebrate Christmas and God's kingdom is not done. The Bible declares that we at the church are the great restraint. We are to be strong enough to hold back the forces of darkness and the agenda of the Antichrist. We're to be part and parcel of that kingdom that's ever expanding to glorify Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace.